He brought two Bibles, notes, props, a phone. You know, I used to do this a lot when I was a teenager. Um, it's been about 20 years since I've done this. This used to be the comfortable thing for me. And then I picked up a guitar and I would shake and I was scared to death. And then I would open my mouth to sing and I would shake. And Tanner just kept saying, keep doing it, keep doing it. And when I would say no, he would keep pushing me out there. So now to go back this way is a little bit interesting. It's been 20 years, so i got a lot to say. <laughs> a lot to say. Um, and uh, my father, he, he said, well, Jeff, he said, you know, if you take your notes and you type them in a 16-point font, the size, if you get to seven pages... That's about a half hour, a little over. So I did my homework, and I got seven pages, and I timed it last night, and we were at 42 minutes. So anyway, if you get tired of me, you have my permission to just leave. I want to do something, though. My time hasn't started yet, though. <laughs> hasn't started yet. Um, no, it didn't. Yeah, it starts when I like actually start off, the, off the notes. I want to do something. I was wrecked during worship. Um, that song, you came, I knew that you would come. And the whole theme about Philippians, is we've been talking about joy, which is interesting as you read a book from a man who's been in prison. <laughs> Think about that for a second. A man who's in prison is encouraging us thousands of years later. Here we are. And Paul's speaking to us from a cell. And I was thinking about that. You came, I knew it. I knew it. And I was thinking about my little niece and how we're just pressing through for breakthrough for her, battling cancer. And I was thinking about the people around us. And then I started to think about not my generation, but my dad's generation. And from me to you, if you're over 50, let's just put it that way. If you're over 50, I want to challenge you we're a mess, and we need you. We don't always do a good job honoring you and respecting you and listening. But there are people here who are holding babies, just getting married, just starting out life, starting careers and things like that. And so, again, this is not part of my time. But what I'd like us to do is I'd like us to stand. Let's stand for a second. And I felt so strongly in this. You came, I knew that you would come. And I was thinking, if you don't have a Kathy Marshall in your life, you need to get one. I've been thinking about the hard times in my life and the people who have been around me, constantly encouraging me. And um, mom and dad for sure have been one, but uh, Miss Kathy's always, always been there, encouraging me, not disciplining, not scolding, Listening, nodding, I can only imagine how many times she quietly says, man, he's a mess. But just encouraging and prodding me towards who God created me to be. And so I want to activate you people who are over 50. And I want to spend three minutes purposefully. If you're over 50, I'd like you to find somebody who's not, or at least who you think is not, and put your hand on them. Tell them that you believe in them. Look at them in the eye and just spend a moment and pray for them. We're going to take just a few minutes to do that. But I feel very, very pressed upon to do that.
All right, 30 seconds, make it good. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We need you. We need you. Yeah. All right. So the PowerPoint is up. Dad told me yesterday, he said, make sure you get a haircut. I did that. <laughs> Didn't you? He did. That's a, I don't know whether to be insulted or encouraged. Like, yeah, my hair grows. Yeah, it does. <laughs> anyway, I did my part. So time starts now. I'm not going to turn it over because then I'll look at it the whole time. So when Dennis asked me to preach, this was several months ago, he said, hey, we're going to be walking through the book of Philippians, and Sean Parnell and I are going to be splitting the word, and I want you to take a Sunday. And first of all, I thought, yeah, former governor, pastor for 20 plus years. Yeah, sure, why not? Um, we're going to be doing Philippians. He said, what do you want? Read through Philippians. Tell me what you want. I said, just tell me what you want me to preach, and I'll do that. Because like I said, i got 20 years, so giving me an open canvas so hard. And then I'm a little bit of a procrastinator. My wife will attest to that. And she said, yeah, she, yeah, she's right. So I was like, you know, how many chapters are there in Philippians? I like Philippians 4, Dad. I'll, I'll do Philippians 4. He said, do you want to preach on the 21st or the 28th? And so naturally it was the 28th. And so here we are, and we're rounding it out. And uh, I have been so blessed by Dad and by uh, um, Mr. Parnell just uh, preaching through the word, and I, I just love it. A little bit about myself. Oh, you can put up the title. I choose my perspective. That's what we're going for here. That's just kind of what I want to relay to you. I'm going to give you guys a lot, and that's up to you what you do with it. But I do believe that the Lord has given me something to share with you guys. A little bit about myself. Some of you guys don't know me. Some of you guys know me. I'm Dennis's son-in-law, uh, Brenda's son-in-law. I've known them since my daughter uh, was Haley's age, and um, so I, they're, they're my mom and dad, and they've all, always been that way to me. Um, we've been through a lot together, right? I married their firstborn, my beautiful wife, Heidi. I've got four amazing kids. I've got twin 14-year-olds. Middle guy is going to be 13 this week, Whoop. And then uh, the princess, she is 10. I am wrapped around her finger and unapologetic about it. I've been a police officer in Anchorage for almost 15 years now. And I like to tell people, you know, before I was born, I was in a pew. I just come from a very long line of Southern Baptist background. My dad is a Southern Baptist pastor. He pastors Muldoon Baptist Church, the big red church on Muldoon Road. And my father-in-law is a pastor and on and on and on. That's me a little bit. How many of you guys got your Bibles? Dad, I think they're getting better. I think we're getting better. How many of you guys got your Bible on your phone? There we go. I love it. So I grew up with the King James, and then there was the New King James, and then it was a hard transition to the NIV. There was not so many begats, and henceforth therewiths, these thous. And here two fours, it was a little bit easier to read. And now I have adjusted yet again, and I spend a good amount of time studying the word in the Passion Translation. Um, if you haven't had a chance to look at that, I highly encourage that. And that's what I'm going to be reading out of today. 
And I actually typed it out for you because it's going to sound much different than probably what the version that it is you're reading. If you'd do me a favor and let's just stand up for the reading and just honor God's word. You know, there are people all over the world who crave this thing that you have on your phone. And I don't know how many dozens of these things I have in my house, but there's people who crave, who share these page by page, and we've got it sitting in front of us. So Philippians 4, if you'll go to verse 4, and I put this up here. Be cheerful with joyous celebration in every season of life. Let joy overflow, for you are united with the anointed one. Let gentleness be seen in every relationship, for our Lord is near. And then to verse 10, my heart overflows with joy when I think of how you showed your love to me by your financial support of my ministry. For even though you have so little, you still continue to help me at every opportunity. I'm not telling you this because I'm in need. For I have learned to be satisfied in any circumstance. I know what it means to lack. And I know what it means to experience overwhelming abundance. For I'm trained in the secret of overcoming all things, whether in fullness or in hunger. And I find that the strength of Christ's explosive power infuses me to conquer every difficulty. Read that again there. And I find that the strength of Christ's explosive power infuses me to conquer every difficulty. And since this is the last week of Philippians, let's go back to chapter 1, verse 12. I want you to know, dear ones, what has happened to me has not hindered me, but it's helped my ministry of preaching the gospel, causing it to expand and to spread to many people. For now, the elite Roman guards and government officials overseeing my imprisonment have plainly recognized that I am here because of my love for the anointed one. And what I'm going through has actually, it's actually caused many believers to become even more courageous in the Lord and to be bold and passionate to preach the word of God, all because of my chains. God, I just thank you so much for your word. Lord, I just pray right now, we, you don't need permission, but we give it to you. Lord, we open up our hearts and we invite you in to rearrange the furniture to do surgery, God. And Lord, I just pray that you would give us ears to hear and that we would be receptive to you this morning. And we're just excited and thankful for you, who you are. And we are filled with hope. You came, we knew that you would come, God. And we just thank you that you're here with us now. Amen. When you have a seat, tell your neighbor, say, I'm excited. You'll be excited. So say this out loud with me. I choose my perspective with some conviction. I choose my perspective. You know, Danny Silk is a friend of the house, and if he's taught us anything, if he's taught me anything, it's that I'm responsible for me, and I used to think I could control my wife that I could control my children. And you know what? That just does not work. I'm in charge of me, and all of life is a choice. And I get to choose my perspective. Perspective, what is that? It's how we see the world. I'm a police officer. I'm a father. I'm a husband. I'm a Christian. It's how I see the world. We all see the world 
completely differently. Women, you see the world differently. Mothers, I don't do what you do. But all of our life's experiences give us a unique lens in which we see the world. I oftentimes get frustrated at my father who tells me, you're just seeing through this lens. You need to adjust your focus. My perspective, I need to adjust it. And who's in control of that? Well, not me for you, but you for you. You're in charge of that. I was going to title this message, Joy in Every Circumstance. Look at your neighbor and say, get your hopes up. Say it again. Look at him in the eye. Get your hopes up. We need faith. We need to be injected with new levels of hope and of joy and of faith. So I was going to title this, Joy in Every Perspective. But as I began to talk to my wife about it, you know what? There are some circumstances I just can't find joy in. Just can't. I've been broke before and owe people tens of thousands of dollars. It's hard to be happy about my financial situation. I've got a 13-year-old niece who's battling with brain cancer and cancer throughout her body. It's hard to find joy in that circumstance. I've been at odds with my wife, believe it or not. Two Two Christians from Christian homes whose parents are pastors can struggle. It's hard to find joy. It's all perspective. It's not necessarily joy in every circumstance. I believe we can find the joy. We can see what God is doing a lot of times after we've gotten out of it. But we're adjusting our focus. When we're looking at this text, I'm going to be a good Southern Baptist boy. I'm going to give you three points. One, two, three, right? It's like when we sing the hymns, we sing the first, second, and last verse, no matter how many verses there are. Three points, and I believe that there's a lot of them that you can pull out of here. And I I believe in being raw and authentic. That's who I am. These three points, you do have a choice. Period. No arguing that. Number two, choose your perspective. And number three, the least church-like phrase you've ever seen on a PowerPoint. Embrace the suck. I can't remember what I had it before. Uh, I, I was saying a lot of different things. My wife was like, embrace the suck. Just say it. I said, do I have permission? So your daughter gave me that permission. So if you're going to talk to anybody after the service, she's sitting right behind you. Point number one, you do have a choice. You know, freedom is defined as the power or right to act, speak, or think how you want to, without hindrance or restraint. And you know what? The whole kingdom is predicated on freedom. Free will. There are laws to the kingdom. God wants to commune with you and have relationship with you and says, the only way that you can do that legally is through my son, but you have a choice. You can choose. Freedom. I can't be fully loved or fully love God if I don't have a choice in the matter. You choose. You do have freedom to choose. And where was Paul writing this scripture from? Say it. From jail. Do you think he was rightfully imprisoned? You know, so many of the New Testament books that were written by Paul were under incredible hardship. Paul in prison, choosing 
to leverage his ministry and his influence to encourage the church. Perspective. I would write about a lot of other things than encouraging people. But that's not Paul. You know what? I, I, I love it when I'm struggling and in a funk. Anybody else been in a funk before? I'll take the giggles as a yes. I love it when people come along because they're in a good spot in life and try to tell me how I should be doing it differently. And I especially love it when people who either A, don't have kids, have never been a police officer, who have never been a husband, have the answers because they read the book. They know it. Well, go ahead and show that video. It's a lot like this. Life is going great. I got a great idea. I'll get on my bike. You pull me on a motorcycle. Woo! <laughs> and what happens? Life happens. Boom! We're knocked off of our seat. And that guy snickering at the end is usually the person they're trying to give the advice to. But I got a news flash for you. The devil don't like you. He wants to kill you. Some of you, being complacent for him is as good as dead. He doesn't like you. He's never liked you. We're moving along with life. Everything's going good. And then bam, somebody's got cancer. Bam, your spouse comes to you with some hard news. Bam, mom or dad pass away. Bam. Bank account's gone. Well, for me, it's always, bam, the kids need more shoes. Life continues to happen. And what we thought was just a fun, free-going ride, all of a sudden we are forced, we've hit the sign. Boom! We're on the ground. But what are we going to do about that? What happened? I want you to know when you're on the ground like that, you only have two choices. You have two choices in when you're choosing your perspective. You can either partner with the devil or you can partner with God. There is no middle ground. There's none. I, 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 get, I get really confused when people try to like walk that middle tightrope. Type, it's a, either... You're choosing to partner with the devil or you're choosing to partner with God. You know, Bill Johnson, I, I love him. And he said something so simply and so eloquently even I can remember it. And it's become like a cornerstone of, of my theology. God good, devil bad. And it's just true. The devil is out there and does not want you to have success, does not want you to win. And guys, we're the church, the church of the people. We've heard that. If you've been sitting in church for longer than two weeks, you've heard the people are the church. Do you know that I believe, personally, I'm very, very passionate about the church. A couple things that I believe. I believe that God is real. God is love. He is for you, not against you, a good father. He is alive and doing things and working powerfully, miraculously 
all over the world. I believe in the joy of who He is. And I'm also passionate about the church. And I believe that the church is supposed to be the most revolutionary and impactful force multiplier in the world. It was the way God designed us to be. And for so often, we have taken prophecy as people standing up and telling us that the world is going to hell in a handbasket. We have on-demand news telling us that the stock market is crashing, the housing market's going away. I don't even want to talk about politics. You're welcome. Did that for you. There's some sort of scandal, the violence, the crime, it's out of control. It's everywhere all the time. And people tell this to me like it's news. Is anybody shocked or appalled by it, Abbott? I'm not. More often than not, I find myself cynically going, I figured, I figured. We've moved the gift of prophecy. I'm talking generally as the church. Like the, the book of Revelation says, in the end that there will be wars and rumors of wars. It is not prophetic or insightful to tell me that everything's failing. However, the Lord calls the church the bride of Christ and he's coming back for a glorious bride. He says he's moving us from glory to glory. And it's time for the church to stand up and to combat this stuff. I've read the whole book. And at the end, guess what? We win. We win. You want to remind me of something? Remind me of that. Remind me that we are the conquerors. That we are the vanquished one. That he is sitting on a stallion with a robe dipped in blood coming back. Prophesy to me that way. Don't remind me of what I already know we are. Point number two. Say it with me. Choose your perspective. We all need reminders. Every single day. I love quotes. Every single day in my household, I was going to get my kids up here to make them do that, but I'm not going to be that dad to you. Every single day. Every single day of school and when I can remember when they wake up at a reasonable hour because they are teenagers, we say this, this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Surely goodness, it's a foregone conclusion, surely goodness will follow me all the days of my life. I lift my eyes up to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help it comes from the Lord. He's the maker of heaven and earth. The joy. Isn't that interesting? It's not love. God is love. But he says, the joy of the Lord is my strength. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. If God is for me, then who can be against me? Lord, you've searched me. You know me. You know when I sit and when I rise, you perceive my thoughts from afar. Taste and see that the Lord, he is good. Blessed is he who takes refuge in him. And after we get done saying that and trying to put our brains, hide and meditate these words in your heart, right? Then we say this. Happiness is an inside job. It's, it's in Scripture if you pull words out and pieces out. Happiness is an inside job. My circumstances don't dictate to me how I respond or how I feel. Happiness is an inside job. And then we say this, and today could quite possibly be one of the best days of my life if I let it. 
if I let it. You got to let it. You got to be looking for the Lord to bless you. You know, this sign right here, choose joy, hangs up in our home. It's hung up there for many years. I don't want to pretend that I've gone through more or worse. This is not a comparison game. This is just letting you into my world and, and where I am. You know, a couple months before Heidi and I got married, I had appendicitis with a ruptured appendix that developed into a septic. And um, I was in intensive care and almost died. Um, a lot of you were there and praying for me and pulling through. And I was, you know, 19 years old. I was invincible. Learned very quickly. Life's fragile. Shortly thereafter, got married, had three boys. And how many of you guys know the first couple of years of marriage are just joy-filled, non-turbulent, no arguing? You got it all figured out. It's all good. Bought a house, remodeled a house. And then how we found out we were pregnant with our little girl is we were sledding up at Hatcher's Pass and my wife broke her back on a rock. And um, I had to rush her down to the hospital. And the very first question they asked is, are you pregnant? And Heidi said, I don't think so, no. And they said, okay, because we're about to give you a lot of radiation. We've got to do x-rays, CAT scans, blah, 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 because we need to be able to see if any bone fragments have gotten into the spinal cord if we're going to have to do surgery. And uh, so they did it all. And then we went to a specialist the next couple of days, and they had, they had done a pregnancy test there at the hospital. It was negative. They went ahead, went through with all of it. We went to a specialist, had more radiation and things done, and then found out she's pregnant. And I was petrified, like, is my kid going to have one eye? Like, that much radiation, I know it does bad things. Like, I don't know. And she came out, and to me, was perfect. She was just so perfect. But we spent several weeks in the NICU, because she had a hole in her heart, and was struggling to live and to breathe. And um, there she was. I, I was a witness to a homicide in my front yard, where one neighbor shot and killed another. And killed himself. Um, my wife has had uh, people up to no good in the middle of the night while I'm at work in Anchorage. Called me in the middle of the night to say people have surrounded her house and she's confronting somebody at the front door with a gun. Don't tell it. But true story, right, Tabby? We've had a lot of things happen in our life like you. Like you. Not the same, different. Some of you guys have gone, gone through and going through stuff I, I would never want to experience. But I found this in a store. It had no price tag on it, but I bought it anyway. I don't know how I did it. Choose joy. And we hung it above our door. It's a conscious decision how we're going to choose our perspective. How we're going to view the things that are going on in our life. You know, it's like a muscle. If you don't use it, you lose it. You ever seen those people that are just so infectiously joy-filled and happy all the time? You're like, how in the world do you do that? Linda, how do you smile all the daggone time? I don't get that. Right? We've got a family friend that's walking through a nasty divorce, and he's always handing out rocks with the word gratitude on them and laughing and smiling. How do people get like that? It didn't happen overnight. It's a muscle. You either... Lose it or you use it. Use it or lose it. You know what? Negativity muscles the same way. Same exact way. Give yourself some grace. It's going to take time to adjust that. 
you know, we're down in Seattle, and I asked my dad, I said, hey, dad, all the grandkids are around. I said, I've never asked him this question. Like, what is your favorite Bible story in Scripture? And he said, son, if I were to say, I would say it would be the prophet Elisha. In 2 Kings chapter 6, I was going to read it to you, but I'm not going to take your time doing that. Conscious of time. Um, the prophet Elisha, he's advising the Israelite army, and the Aramean army, the king, is at war with the Israelites and trying to destroy the Israelites. And the king puts together all these strategies for the army and says, Go here and we'll outflank them. Go over here and wait for them. We'll ambush them. Do all of this stuff. But the prophet Elisha, he knows all of this. And so he advises the Israelite army, go over here, go over here. And so the Aramean army can never get at the Israelite army. The king becomes incensed by this. And he brings his advisors and he's like, how does this happen? And they said, it's that man of God, that prophet. And the Bible says it. It's like he's in your bedroom. He's so prophetic. He knows what's going on. And so he says, find that man and capture him. We'll be victorious. Capture him. And so the next morning after they find him, they find him in a city. His servant wakes up and goes outside, and he sees around the city are horses and chariots. And the scripture says, the servant says to Elisha, Oh, Lord, what are we going to do? And Elisha, and I can be a little bit cocky sometimes, and I imagine he had a little bit of swagger and confidence about him. He didn't boom with this King James script. I imagine he went, (laughs) calm down. Those that are with us. A lot more than I was them. And his servant's like, what? And Elisha prays, Lord, open his eyes so that he can see. And at that moment, servant's eyes are opened, and he looks, and what does he see? He sees chariots and horses of fire surrounding Elisha. I thought that was really interesting that my dad gives me goosebumps. I thought that was really interesting that my dad shared that story sitting at a kitchen island surrounded by his grandchildren with one of his grandchildren fighting for her life. We have no earthly idea what is going on around us. The Bible's clear. You entertain angels completely unaware. Your circumstance is just that. It's in front of you. We change and shift our perspective. Because those that are with me are much more than any of those things that I talked about that my wife and I walked through. I am uniquely positioned because I have a king to change and shift my perspective from a place of lack and insecurity and fear to faith and hope, to step outside of my comfort zone, to lift my faith. And in doing that, it rubs off. The Bible says as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. I'm just going to be honest. Churches become a place where we come to get, not to give. 
And Freddie, I need your strength, brother. I need it. We need each other. It's not Dennis or Tanner or Clay or Kelly ministering to you. Church is a place by God's design where we would come and we would get fed and we would strengthen and encourage and then go out. Build your faith. Look at your neighbor. Tell them, get their hope, get your hopes up. Get your hopes up. Get your faith up. Your circumstances do not define you. You know, it's just, it's, it's so funny to me. Paul from prison, you know, he, he's kind of crazy. I mean, just on, honestly, he's a little bit crazy. Be cheerful with joyful celebration in every season of life. How many of you guys have ever got a call from a convicted con in prison who's telling you, hey, you know what? Be joyful in every season of your life, brother. Just be joyful. And then he says, let joy overflow. Just let it bubble out of you. It's crazy. But was he hindered? Was his ministry hindered? Honestly. Like there's been times in my life where I thought serving and being in the church and being on that inside track was everything. It's not. It's not. Paul's ministry morphed. It just changed. That was it. So why is all this so hard for us? What's the hang-up? Truth is, we're all hurting. Life is just hard. It's just hard. You know, my son's best friend lost his mother last year when he was 13 years old with cancer. My niece is currently battling for her life. Update on her. She got a full body scan and the cancer shrinking, so keep praying for that. Come on. Come on. Praise God, right? Come on. Come on. I believe, but Jesus, but Jesus, chemo, radiation, we can't, but Jesus. Our spouses hurt us. You know, friends, they hurt us. Parents and family, they can hurt us. The church, guess what? Can hurt us. You know who else hurts us? Us. It's like I'm more equipped to extend grace to you than I am to my own self. I will never do that again. Daggone it. And I guess this is just the way I am. Perspective. Got to flex that muscle. Got to get back up. You know, our first inclination is to hurt others when we're hurt. Hurt people. Hurt people. You got to fix the cut or you'll bleed all over everybody. You know, the thing that I love about this house is there are people who are deeply committed to your highest good. There are resources here some of you don't even know about. We have Sozo ministry. We have prophetic ministry. But I'm just talking about relational connection. There is a tremendous abundance of people in this body that love you and who are committed to your highest good, who are willing to call that out in you and get in the muck and work through the stuff. And sometimes it takes some time. But they're committed to your highest good, willing to do it. I'm amazed by those people. But they exist. They're right here. You know, the first step they say to 
getting healthy in any circumstance is you have to acknowledge that there's a problem. You gotta acknowledge it. And then guess what you gotta do? Work it. Work the problem. It's like you have an epiphany and you think that you're somebody because you've recognized I have a problem, but if you don't do anything with it, what have you done? Nothing. You haven't done anything. You know, we live in a world right now where I could go to college on my phone. I can belong to and do belong to about 15 different churches where I view their sermons through video every single week. I go to worship services I could only dream about. There's almost I have thousands of books. I have so many books, I don't even know what I haven't read. And then when I'm driving down the road, I have people read to me. I mean, it's so crazy. And anybody can write a book. All of a sudden, everybody is an author and everybody's got an opinion and it's certified and it's authoritative. I mean, there's so much information. And you know what I fear? It's almost too much. It's almost too much. What's the saying? Knowledge is power. They say that. They say that knowledge is power. But you know what? I heard a quote recently and I like it more. Knowledge is trumped every single day by execution. Being the smartest person in the room ain't it. You got to apply what it is that we're learning. You know, I can remember when Heidi and I were engaged a couple months out from being married. And um, in the Whitworth household, and I don't know if you can tell, I'm a quiet individual. I'm not. In the Whitworth household at the dinner table, the loudest voice had the floor. But how you found out who had the loudest voice is we all had to talk at once. And uh, this was especially true in an argument where I did not seek to understand you. I sought to win. And then there was the Hotchkiss household. I can remember one time Dennis and Brenda were in an argument. It sounded like just a conversation to me, but they were in an argument. And Dennis went, Brenda? And all the kids went, And I was like, what in the world is that? And she came from a culture, a family culture, where they sought to listen and understand a lot healthier than what I came from. And I can remember when we would get in arguments. They were good arguments, too, at least from my perspective. Like, they were good, you know? And um, never degrading or anything like that. But I can remember I was on the phone, and I was at work, and I was going off into this phone because we were arguing about something super important as 18- and 19-year-old engaged couples do, and we're going at it, I'm going at it, and uh, I, I can remember saying, are you even going to respond to me? And then my worst nightmare came true, as the voice who came through the other end was not Heidi's, Jeff, this is Brenda, and I had been going for several minutes at that point. Heidi is going to go to bed tonight, and uh, she will call you tomorrow. Yes, ma'am, have a good night. (laughs) We've learned a lot. 17 years of marriage, people, come on. I'll testify, you can get there. You know, sometimes we still revert to that. It's like, it's, it's a constant working to keep working on that. Imagine what we would have missed out on, though, if we just, you know, this is hard. You don't talk the way I talk. I don't talk the way you talk. I value you, but this just, like, we're just, we're done. 
I can't tell you the passion and love I have for that woman and how much she feeds me and points me to who I am. Would have missed it. Acknowledge what the problem is. Shift your perspective. And it was to her, I need what's inside of you. Give it to me. What do I got to do to get it? Oh, I need to change. So quickly. You know who needs to change here in this circumstance. We're so quick. Usually it's us. Growth and relationship in our lives are more often marked by the struggles that we overcome and the lessons learned from them than the successes. It makes those successes over those difficulties all that much more sweet. Here's the crux of everything that I'm saying. This haunted me when I read it. I should have done Philippians 1, but... I want you to know, dear ones, what has happened to me has not hindered but helped my ministry of preaching the gospel, causing it to expand and spread to many people. For now, even the elite Roman guards and government officials overseeing my imprisonment have plainly recognized that I'm here because of my love for the anointed one. And what I'm going through has actually caused many believers to become even more courageous in the Lord. You ever thought about that? The thing that you're walking through right now is giving courage and strength to your brothers and sisters around you? Are you walking in that struggle with that sense of urgency, of responsibility to lend courage to your brothers and sisters? Or are you the victim who needs? Cause many believers to become even more courageous in the Lord and to be bold and passionate to preach the Word of God all because of my chains. Perspective. Perspective. Not in spite of my chains, but because of my chains. It's about mindset and heart set. Choosing it. It's impossible to have the money without the test. We all want that testimony. We all want it. Financial freedom and breakthrough. Expect to get schooled in some realm of lack. You want that dynamite marriage? <laughs> Expect some bumps. Want connection with your kids and a legacy? Buckle up. You want to command disease and heartbreak to go in the name of Jesus? Careful what you ask for. Expect to see that stuff firsthand. Do we want a church that reforms the norms and impacts our culture? Expect some pain. We are given authority over the things we walk through in our lives. You could never have the victory over Goliath if David never stepped out on the battlefield. You've got to get out there and fight. We've all heard it. You can't give away what you don't possess. You know, I'm not immune. I feel like I do a pretty good job consistently trying to stay filled, motivated, excited, and joy-filled about life, smiling to people. I like to encourage and empower. It's what I live for. I love people. 
I'm a cop and I see people at their worst. I've seen people shoot each other, mutilate each other, do horrific things to each other. Why do you keep doing that and how do you smile? I believe people are good. And I believe that God can do anything. Anything. But every now and then I need a little external motivation. And for me, it's one of my top ten. It's Rocky. Right? Any guys in the room? Rocky? All right, let's roll that one. Jesus will speak to you through Rocky if you let him. Embrace the suck. It's a military term. I use it all the time. I used to train new cops for years, and it was so difficult for them. And they would become overwhelmed, and they would shut down. And I'd tell them, hey, look, just embrace the suck. This will get easier. This will get easier. Because of my chains. Because of my chains. Sometimes, I don't know how the Lord talks to you. He talks to me that way sometimes. Cowards do that and that ain't you. I'll always love you. Get up. Get your hopes up. Fight. Shift your perspective. And I find that the strength of Christ's explosive power infuses me to conquer every difficulty. Jeremiah 29.11. We all know it. Right? I know the plans that I have for you. Not to harm you. Plans to prosper you. To give you a hope and a future. The one that's always so comforting to me. John 16.33. In this world, there will be troubles. But take Heart, I have overcome the world. You came. I knew. I knew that you would come. Paul's talking to us from the prison. Embrace the suck. It's because of the chains. You're struggling in your marriage? Embrace it. Work on it. You're struggling in your relationships with your friends? You're struggling in your relationship with your church? Embrace the suck. Work. Become a part of the solution. Quit pointing out the problem. Prophesy the kingdom. It's all around us. Let's stand up. You went too long, Dennis. Father God, I just thank you so much for the opportunity to speak to your people. I thank you for your word. Lord, I do thank you. I thank you that you declare that we're your kids. You'll always love us. But you are constantly imploring us to shift our perspective and to gain a kingdom perspective and strategy to become victorious and to conquer. Lord, I thank you that we even have the possibility to conquer this world because you conquered death. Thank you for your son. Lord, I thank you that we can live amongst hardship with hope and with joy and that each one of us is uniquely designed to embrace that and we have the capability to do it. But Lord, I just ask for your grace to fill this room right now in Jesus' name and put our hands on our hearts. Father God, right now, like liquid honey, I just loose your grace and your peace into every person's heart and soul that you would flood through it, Lord. We can't have, we can't give away what we don't have. 
Lord, I just ask right now that you would just purify our hearts. Refine us. Give us grace to conquer the mountains in front of us, God. One step at a time, step by step. And give us the strength to choose our perspective, to be responsible for how we view our chains. Lord, we love you. Amen. Amen. Good word, huh? Come on. All right. Well, if you need prayer, we have a ministry team here that would love to be able to pray with you, encourage you. But let's just say this once more. I choose joy. In Jesus' name, thank you, Lord. All right. Be blessed. Have a great afternoon.